around and down to the last little bit. And uh, so I thought maybe we could start a little bit um, tonight just talking about what we've learned so far. And it's okay if it's not coming right to mind. We'll see if we can jog your memory a little bit. Does anyone, can anyone tell me anything about um, where we are in history, Malachi, where we are in history, where we are in, in time, whether that's years or just sequence of events? Can anyone give me... Any, any just kind of clue of where, where, we, where we're living in this? I, I see Mickey's hand up there. About 400 years before Jesus was born. That was pretty good. Pretty good. Anything else that we have just as a context of where Malachi is happening? Pastor. Last of the Old Testament prophets. Of the Old Testament prophets. Um, anything else? We just, I think we just got to remember that we were, um, that the Israelites, they, Israel had kind of had fallen to Syria, Babylon. They got, they got taken away and they were in captivity for quite a while. And then they came out of that uh, captivity somewhat. Um, Nehemiah was given permission to go back and rebuild Jerusalem. And so we have that great story of uh, Nehemiah's rebuilding. And I think some people think that Malachi and Nehemiah may have been contemporaries. They may have been right in there close to each other. So what we've got is we've got the, the people of Israel finally back into Jerusalem. And they're, uh, you know, they're starting to see what life is like post-captivity. And Malachi comes along and gives them uh, a little bit of a reality check of where, where they're actually living. And the last time that I was here, we talked a little bit about the fact that, um, that, that things weren't going well for them. But you can see in these responses, if you look back and you see what, how Malachi assigned their responses to every single thing that's happened here, the people of that time thought, we're doing pretty good. Yeah, it's not not perfect, but we're we're doing fine. We're doing we're doing okay. Um, and Malachi had some um, many stern words from the Lord about how the the real state of their real hearts were. And um, it struck me as I was looking over it, just to get ready for tonight, um, that I, they they thought they were doing okay, and. I wonder how many times we think that we're doing pretty good. You know, we're not doing great. We're doing good. We're doing real good, right? You know, and there's actually, there's actually truths to be able to be heard, especially from a prophet like Malachi, trying to let us know, guys, look deeper. And, and you, might, you might find out that, things, uh, that there's always something to work on. There's always something to do. So um, I'm just going to go to the back here. Hopefully I don't get a whole bunch of feedback um, the next part of my quiz, so that was where are we in time. Um, so f the, the book of Malachi is divided up into six different disputations. Those are arguments between the people and God. And um, we've covered five of them. We've covered five of them already, and we're going to talk about the sixth one tonight. So I was wondering if we could try to figure out what were the first five things that we uh, were the f first five disputations. And these little images I'm just throwing on the screen right now, those are my hints of what those, what those might be. Can anyone name 
one of the things that, uh, through this book, that God and the people have disagreed about, and these pictures might be a clue to some of those things. Yeah, Dave. Yes. Yes, right. And so that's my, that's my little robber guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, what else? What is another one of the five? Yeah, Annie. Right, right. The covenant of, of marriage, uh, they were taking, they were leaving the people that God had for them, and they were going to other nations and things and, uh, and chasing after them. That's, that's another good one. So that's rings and robbers. What else we got? Yeah. Sacrifices. They weren't handling sacrifices. You like my cute little sheep? Isn't that sad when we're talking about sacrifice? Having a cute little sheep with little, little teary eyes. Um, but anyway, that they weren't handling sacrifices right, right? They, that they weren't uh, doing, uh, well, they weren't bringing their best. They weren't giving their best to God. Um, these last two are going to be a little bit tricky. Does anyone have, Josh? Uh, yeah, is God really just? Is, does God bring his judgment to others? And that's what my scales were supposed to be. Is there, is there really justice with God? Is, is God really following through on what, he, what he's thinking? Um, that's that's the, the fourth one. And I'll just uh, call, call out that one of the scariest verses in, uh, in this whole passage is in um, that one. And that's the one where um, the, uh, the, the phrase that gets used as the motivation for uh, one of the songs in Handel's Messiah is, and who shall stand at his appearing? He will be like a refiner's fire. This, and we, some of those things, uh, you know, we may have heard those phrases over and over again, but we shouldn't be uh, immune to the fact that that was... Uh, there is some serious justice that, that happens here. God's justice, God's um, righteousness is uh, profound and, and extreme and effective. Okay, so now we've got the, the lamb, the rings, the, the justice, and the robber guy. And what do we got for the heart? Yeah, Annie. It, yeah, what, what really happens, right at the very beginning, if, you look, if you're in Malachi, you're looking at the very beginning, first couple of verses, the first thing they said is, God, do you really love us? How, 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 do, you, how do you love us? Um, and God answers and says, it was, I chose you. I chose you out of everybody. I chose you. You are my people. You are the ones. Don't ask me, how have I loved you? I chose you from the very, very beginning. You are mine. Um, and so, anyway, as we go, just look over the, those things, the first one was this, is that, how, God, do you really love us? And, the, and Malachi uh, provides God's response in a, in a, in a deep way. And so, uh, clearly, there's kind of an accusation against God. God responds uh, very effectively. The second is kind of an accusation against the people. We aren't, you aren't doing your your duty, you aren't giving the respect to God that you should by uh, doing these sacrifices properly. And he does that. And this, when we, last time that I was, I was up here doing this, that's what we were talking about, is that they were bringing something less, less than their best, and then he really calls to task the people who had some responsibility there. The priests were the ones that he really kind of gets after. And then 
the, and, and so in some of these, we might say, is this, really, is this really relevant for today? We're not doing sacrifices. But is, is that something that we need to be thinking about as well? One of the big things that was going on here is the people were just coming and doing it, and they weren't really thinking about what they're doing. They just had this routine, and they got into it, and they started doing it. How easy is it for us who think we're doing pretty okay, right? We think we're doing pretty okay to be like, am I just going through the motions? Is that something I need to really pay attention to and, and look at? The third one, again, is one against the people, right? The first one is kind of an accusation against God, then an exact accusation against the people. Um, the third one was he talks about the fact that this marriage and these covenants that, that um, he had set up. And what, what I see there is God saying, I had given you something that is your best, my best. I gave that to you. And you know what you did? You decided to chase after something else. You chased after something that you just thought, maybe I should be interested in this. And so isn't that something that's relevant for us as well, is that God describes to us what his best is for us, and then we are often found chasing other things as our top priority, as what we think uh, should be the best for us. And then the, the fourth one is another accusation against God, as we said, that, that are, are you really just? Are you really um, the way, you know, are you really able to execute on the fact that you are sovereign over all the universe? And, um, and again, he answers, he answers well there. And then the fifth one is this idea of the... Um, uh, we, ta- we talked about from, from tithing that this was something where, we, where God wasn't getting what he uh, deserved. And so that meant that we were actually robbing from him. And it's, it's interesting. A lot of times we think of tithing as that's supposed to be a gift that we're doing. That, that was just, hey, you know, that's, that's something I can feel pretty good about. I can pat myself on the back for all that tithing I did. You know, that's, that's great. He goes, no, this is, this, is the ex- this is the expectation. This is, what I'm, this is what I'm hoping from you. And when you don't do it, you're taking it. You're stealing it from me. You're stealing it back from me. And are we in a position where we, have a, we start to become entitled to the things that God has blessed us with? And then we forget to acknowledge where those things came from. Um, and so a lot of these things that the, uh, the people of Jerusalem and that Malachi was talking to, um, I, I really feel like there's a lot of these things that are really still happening today and maybe not with blood sacrifices and, and, and not uh, you know, marrying people from forbidden uh, countries and things like that. But, but there is such an element of us feeling like we're doing a good job and we're probably doing fine that with a little bit of introspection we realize we might be going through the motions we might be chasing after things that are second best um, and we might be uh, feeling entitled to the blessings of god rather than being grateful and showing our appreciation to him um, so those are the first five and you did great um, trying trying to, to get through it the, the part we're going to be in today is um, Malachi chapter 3, verse 13. If you've got your Bible, feel free to turn there. We're going to finish up chapter 3, and then uh, if you're looking in your Bible and you might say, well, there, there's still another chapter after this. Um, it's a short chapter. I'm sure Dan's going to do that 
next week. Um, that kind of follows all the disputations, and um, that is kind of like a, a recap uh, as well. So here's my, here's my six things, and this one right here is the image that I'm trying to show for tonight. Um, and this is, I, I don't know if it seems corny or not, the people are accusing God that serving you is pointless, okay? The serving you is pointless. So if you can remember from all of this, a heart, a lamb, some rings, a scale, a, a, a robber, and a, and a broken point, um, those, to me, would be helpful to try to remember some of the things that we've talked about in Malachi so far. So I'm going to get these out of the way so they're not distracting anymore. Um, and so, would anyone like to, if anyone's got their Bible, would anyone like to read um, Malachi 3, uh, 13 through 18? I have a volunteer. Dave? Great. Um, so let's, let's now just take these one at a time, and this is the, the format that I'm going to do. Very brief comment uh, after reading the verse, um, then open it up with a, a question, um, and then just see if anyone has any other thoughts before we move on to the next verse. So let's just, uh, let's just jump right back into Malachi 3.13. Um, it says, Your words have been stout against me, saith the Lord, yet ye say, what have we spoken so much against thee? So he, he's saying, you know what? You guys are, are bad-mouthing me. And the people, of course, in their, in their ignorance, are just like, what are, what are we saying? What are we, what are we doing that's, that's wrong? Um, and uh, so here, here's my question for us to, to think about. In what ways might people today speak against God uh, even though they might not realize it? Um, does anyone have any thoughts and not necessarily having to do with this passage per se, but is there any ways that people might be speaking against God and they, they might be questioning, wait, what did I do? What did, what did I do? What did I do wrong? Is there anyone, anyone have any thoughts on that? Yeah, go ahead, Dave. Yeah, 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 agreed. Follow your heart, right, yeah. Yeah, that's right, 
Dave? Lord's name in vain, yeah. It's just becoming so commonplace, and they would say, what did I say, right? And I'm just like, well, you took your, the, the creator of the universe and used it either as a casual, flippant word or as, as a swear word sometimes, and, and it's, uh, yeah, yeah, agreed. Anything else where people might, and they just don't even realize it? Yes. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, there, I think there are some, some good entertainment f things, but I know the one thing that people have said about The Chosen that has been uh, challenging is that even though it might um, be based on a biblical narrative, right, um, that the, the viewers can't tell a difference between what's creative license and what's, what's actually in it. And so it, I, I, I personally believe that it would be, it, it's an interesting one for people who are well-versed in the Bible to be able to kind of visualize some of the things of how it might have been back then. But um, to mistakenly think that that it overrides the Bible or is on equal par with the Bible, I think that's where people have gotten themselves tripped up a little bit with, with presentations like that, whether that's the Passion of the Christ or if it's um, the Chosen or um, and other, other types of things. We just need to be very careful um, in that because the, uh, the producers of it uh, obviously fill in some of the, the details that, that, that the Bible is silent on. Um, any, anything else along these lines of speaking against God and not even realizing it? For me, it, it's the, some of the idea of um, humanism and just the fact that we're capable of doing so much on our own and that uh, that's, that's kind of the, the mindset is just, you know, if we get all the good, get people together, they're generally good and they'll do the right thing and we'll be able to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and we'll be able to uh, achieve a lot and we can do this all without, without any outside force and any reason for doing good uh, like, like God and those things that people think, oh, well, that's, I'm very well-intentioned about that, but isn't, um, isn't necessarily, uh, you know, is, is actually speaking against God. Anything else on this first verse? I think it's, it's fairly straightforward um, before we move on to verse 14. Yeah, Bruce. Just the word stout. Mm -hmm. You know, this is, they are very, very bold. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And so let's find out what it is they were actually saying, um, because uh, that, that's a big accusation from God. They seem clueless on uh, what's going on. So let's, uh, verse 14, you have said, it's vain to serve God. And what profit is it that we have kept his ordinance and that we have walked mournfully before the Lord of hosts? Okay, now this is a tough one, right? Because if you're, if you're reading it, 
what was this, this slap in the face that they were trying to do here? They were just like, I'm, I'm just not seeing a lot of results. I'm not seeing much come out of this. I'm not feeling like there's, this is very effective. I'm not feeling like there's a lot of point to doing this. This was the thing that God said, you're speaking stoutly against me. You're speaking harshly. You're speaking uh, brazenly uh, against me. Um, and so, he, so what they said is, it's vain to serve God. We're, they're, they're, it's not pro- and it's saying it's not profitable that we're, just, we're, we're following his rules and we're keeping his ordinances um, and that we have walked mournfully before the Lord of hosts. And I think this walked mournfully says... Um, where the, we're actually putting some genuine thought and feeling into this, and that hasn't yielded anything for me as far as the, what the people are claiming here. Um, uh, why, why do you think that the people in this passage believed that serving God was not profitable? That was not profitable. Yeah, Annie. Sure. Maybe they maybe they were asking for stuff that they didn't they didn't uh, come come about. Anything else? Yeah, Heidi. Yep, yep. Right. Anyone else? Why they might not think it was profitable to serve God? Do we feel like it's profitable sometimes? Uh, Do sometimes that we feel like, boy, it would be easier not to. (laughs) You know, I could get a, I could get a big chunk of my time back. I could get a big chunk of my paycheck back. I could get a whole bunch of other things. Right? I mean, sometimes in our in our humanness, do we sometimes have that feeling as well that we're just. uh, yeah, there, there's, there, there's, there's something to be said for not doing some of the things that we do right now to try to either serve God or obey Him. Sure. Yes. Yes, but we burned it up. Yeah, or we we sacrificed it. Yeah, yeah, and and I think that that comes down to Josh the the idea of that there isn't some of that immediate gratification from it. There's other things that you could do, and you could see some immediate um, tangible results from. But when we're serving God, there's a lot of times we don't see it right away, and we don't get um, we we don't we don't get that. There, there should be a sense of fulfillment in, in, in doing that. But as far as some of the tangible results that we might hope to see, we might not see it. And I, I think of people who have... Um, uh, I'm going to talk about Julia here for one second. Um, she, uh, she has really... I appreciate all of the Sunday school teachers and people who've uh, had Julia in her class, but she's really being... Uh, very thoughtful about the fact that she's supposed to share Christ with others, right? And so people that she meets on the playground or whatever, she'll, she'll ask them and she'll ask them something about, do you, do you know who Jesus is? Would you want, do you want to hear? But do you know that he died for your sins and, and things? And she comes back to me and she goes, Dad, 
they didn't they didn't like it they didn't want to hear it they did they, they it was it was kind of embarrassing you know i didn't really but i'm going to do it again but I, it was you know for for her and she's still so encouraged by it for her the idea was that i didn't i, I did the right thing didn't i and and they didn't they didn't just they didn't just say yeah i want to come to church with you or i want to hear more about jesus or whatever and that, that's kind of the, what, what we face as well. There's, there's kind of a lot that gets put out there. And God's responsible for bringing stuff back, but we don't always see it, you know. And, and I, can, I could see people saying, boy, is this, is this really doing anything? Is this, is this really effective? Um, so it's, it's, un, it's somewhat understandable to, to, under, to, to think that. But we always have to keep in mind that uh, God's got his timetable and he's not asking us for results he's asking us for obedience um so um and then um my other question on this verse is what's the difference between mourning before the lord and simply going through the motions of religious practice what's uh what do you think this phrase um mourning before the lord um really means and how is that differentiated Yeah, I think having sincerity in, in, in what we're doing. Yeah, I think genuineness and sincerity um, just, again, contrasted with, uh, with going through the motions. So, Great. Any other thoughts on verse 14 before we move on? Yeah. There's one thing when the people outside the church say, you guys are idiots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People inside are saying, oh, you're crazy. You go to church Sunday night, Wednesday night, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm doing Sunday morning thing, and what's this doing for you? You know, yeah. what are you getting out of this? And then it really hurts when it comes from the inside. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's move on to verse 15. Um, and now we call the proud happy. Yea, they that work wick- wickedness are set up. Yea, they that tempt God are even delivered. So we've got these three things that is, the again, part of the accusation, is the people who have pride, they seem like they're pretty happy. And then um, the ones that are wicked, they seem like they keep on going up. They keep on getting more and more. And those that tempt God, even those guys are delivered, um, that meaning that they, they seem to be doing okay. So what, again, is the differentiation between what we're doing and what, what they're doing? Um, it seems like they're getting just as much, if not more, um, blessings uh, as, as we are. So um, here's, here's, the, here's one of the questions. How, how can we avoid becoming envious of those who seem to prosper even though they're doing evil things. Is there any way that we can avoid becoming envious of people in that situation? Yeah, Dave. Mm-hmm. Yep. Anything, anything else? Yeah, Bruce. I like uh, 
Psalm 73, Psalm of Asaph, you know, he basically went through the same thing once. I'm looking at the wicked and they're prospering. Mm-hmm. That's my bother. Mm-hmm. And then he went to the temple of God. Mm-hmm. You know, and then he saw they were all filthy places. So, you know, just staying, just staying around God's people, staying in God's word and uh, hanging out with the kind of people that we want to be. You know, mm-hmm. people in this room are examples of yeah. encouragement. You know, we need to do that. Yeah. Absolutely. Anyone else? How we can avoid becoming envious? One of the things that I, 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 I've run into a couple of times, and I just had the, I've, I've had the opportunity to deal with some people who are probably, uh, probably don't aren't walking with the Lord, but who are successful in life, and. Um, we, we definitely, we go through trials as Christians as well, and there's, and, you know, so this isn't to, to put that, but the, the lack of actual happiness, especially those who seem very successful and have uh, lots of money and lots of toys and lots of things that they, uh, they can look back and say, yes, this is my, my resume looks like this, my experience looks like this, my bank account looks like this, um, and really just the the sense of emptiness um, that comes from some of the conversations that, I, that I've had with these folks, and it's like you, you you might be looking at some of these things on the outside, and you're not really you're not really seeing that there's just there's nothing there's nothing behind it. You know, another million dollars in the bank isn't gonna make me any happier. You know, and um, and that's uh, that some, sometimes just sometimes sad to think about, but that, that, that's a perspective I've been trying to think of uh, as well when it comes to these things, is that those outward, outward things, um, they, they, they really can't compare to some of the, the inward um, things that, that we have. Even if they're doing well and they're in great health or they're whatever, whatever it is, um, those things really can't compare to what we have internally um, through Christ. Yeah. Let the past be laid before the future. 
Anything, anything else? Again, this is about being envious of those who seem to prosper. How can we avoid that? Dave. Okay. Yeah, go ahead, Dave. Anything on this verse before we move on? Okay, good. Because I, you are not going to feel the same way about this verse, this, this next verse that I am. But I got really excited when I got to this next verse, okay? So uh, Malachi 3.16 says, Then they that fear the Lord spake often one to another, and the Lord hearkened, and he heard it, and a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. So for the, you know, I, I, I said this last time I was up here too, Malachi, oh, this was a rough way to end the Testament, right? This is, we're talking a big, huge chunk of the Bible here, and you're going to stick this as the punctuation mark on the end of the Old Testament? This is, this is rough. But you know what? There is, there's hope in, the, in, in this as well. Because what I see here is that we've been talking about all this argument back and forth and back and forth with God saying, you're doing this, and people saying, God, you're doing that. And they're, they're going back and forth. And then right, in the, right at the end, boy, we are just getting right to the end of this testament, right? Only a handful of more verses. We get to this. He, he, we introduce a new set of characters. They that feared the Lord, um, they started talking to each other, and the Lord started listening, and he heard it. 
And he took a book of remembrance written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. So there is all of a sudden this, this beam of, of hope just showing up right towards the end of Malachi. And I know if you're ever thinking, I want to go look this up again, can I, can I find it? It's really hard to remember. It's Malachi 3.16. I know 3.16 is really difficult to remember for references. But if you, if you ever are, are thinking, oh, I'd like to look back on that and see if, where, where this showed up, we've got another 3.16 that is, uh, that's, a, that's a wonderful verse uh, for us. Um, so... Uh, you know, I, so what, what does he do with them? Let's just, let's just go ahead and move on, and then we can discuss all of this, uh, this second chunk here. Um, he says in verse 17, And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts. In that day when I make up my jewels, I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. So he's saying, you know what? This isn't all just doom and gloom. There are people who, who believe and who really are, are, are thinking properly about me. And you know what? When this all comes to pass, and what exactly is he talking about when he's saying he's making up his jewels? But there, there's, there's something brewing. And I think a lot of us who have read past the end of Malachi know that there's stuff brewing into the future as well. And I don't know exactly what he's referring to in this. But um, he will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. So it was uh, really exciting um, development here uh, as, as, we're, as we're getting through this. Um, the thing that struck me in, in here is, is how he's talking about sparing them. He's saying that he'll spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. Okay? And so I was just thinking, is there, is, can we think of um, any distinction? There's somebody who's your own son, which that's a pretty big, that's a pretty uh, big meaningful step right there is your own son, but then also his son that that serveth him. That's the kind of feeling that he has towards us. Um, and um, does does that does that is that is that meaningful to to anyone else? Is just is there a contrast between the, your the the love of a son and the love of a son that's serving you? Is 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 there anything there? Yeah, Bruce. The way I look at it. Anything else about this son that that serves serves him? You know, I'm not asking the question well because I, what, what's coming into to my mind is the idea of the prodigal son, right? And so, the, the the in the in the story of the prodigal son, the the disobedient son, he goes away and he does his thing and he squanders and he has just this. Uh, uh, um, you know, very rebellious lifestyle. And when he comes back, he gets treated as if he was the son that had always been there serving him all along too. Um, 
And you could, the other son gets kind of mad because he was just like, wait, I was the one who was here. I was the one who's been serving you faithfully. I'm the one who's been all along, and you're treating him like you would, would treat me. And uh, that is, isn't that the way that God works? Um, that you know, there, are, there are definitely places where we, uh, we are failing and when we don't do what we're supposed to do. Um, God still looks on us as not just sons, but he looks on us, whether we do a good job of it always or not, he looks on us as though we are the sons that are serving him. Um, and uh, just, uh, just, just that, that combination of, of this and the story of the prodigal son just uh, kind of meshed together in, in my mind as well. Um, and so let's, um, we'll go to verse 18. We're going to finish a couple of minutes early, so if anyone's just got burning things to say, um, start dreaming them up because we, we've got a couple extra minutes before the kids are out downstairs. If we want to end early, that's totally fine too. Um, so verse 18 says, Then shall ye return and discern between the righteous and the wicked, between him that serveth God and him that serveth not. Um, so as we read this, this, this verse, we got to just, just remember, okay, there's a whole context of this whole set of verses. Um, in verse 18, he's really addressing verses 14 and 15. Um, so let's, let's just make sure we see some of the same wording here. Uh, we've said it's vain to serve God. What profit is it that we have kept his ordinance that we have walked mournfully before the Lord of hosts? And so this one, the, the main thing there was they were talking about What's the difference between serving and not serving, right? That's what verse 14 was. And then in 15, it said, we've called the proud happy. Yea, that work wit- wickedness are set up. Um, so there, they're saying, there's no difference between being wicked and being righteous. There's no difference between those things. And then in verse 18, let's just read the text of again. Then, when, then shall ye return, and there will be a discernment between the righteous and the wicked between him that serveth God and him that serveth not. Those are meaningful things. And God is saying, you might not see it. You might not be seeing it. You might not be seeing it right now. But let me uh, make sure that you understand that there is a discernment between those. Um, and so he, he comes back and he addresses the, the accusations that's been levied against him um, here by saying, yes, that I you have my guarantee that there, there, is, there, is, uh, there is a discernment between these groups of people. Um, so as we look at verse 18, how does this passage and the whole passage uh, relate to the concept of justice in, in God's kingdom? Um, how, does, how does justice look maybe different in, in God's economy uh, versus the way that we might see it uh, here uh, today? Oh, sorry, Heidi. Anything else about God's justice or, or uh, the, the word economy, God's economy versus the way that, that we tend to look at things? Any, anything that we might discern here?
you know, I would agree with, with Heidi that, you know, that there's um, God's time scale is one thing. What God sees is another thing. Uh, what, what God is actually able to measure versus what we're able to, to, to see with our eyes about how things are working with different people. We, we, we can't see into people's hearts. We can't see what they're... Uh, how, what they're actually going through. We can only see the external stuff. And for God, he's able to see uh, right through, and he sees on an eternal scale um, as well. Um, so uh, just any, any uh, closing thoughts around this? What lessons can we learn from this passage about the importance of staying true to our faith, even though it seems that maybe the odds are against us when we're, we're seeing all the things happening all around us? The odds are against us. Um, what does does this passage give us any encouragement about staying true to our faith? Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's, I, I like the analogy too, and I, it, just that there's, there's the, the right way to save for retirement. And you might always keep doing the right thing, which is putting X percent in every month or whatever. And it doesn't mean that every time that you go look at your bank account balance, that it's that your investment balance, that it means it's up. It could be that you did you did the right things, and from what you're seeing, you're just like, wow, if I'm watching it in little slices, there's lots of ups and downs in here, but you know what? Um, doing the right thing, and obviously the an analogy becomes uh, a lot more sure than the stock market, but <laughs> the, once we, when we're doing the right things, we will see that general trend up on God's time scale, um, which, is, which, is, which is great. Yeah, Leah. Yes, yes, that's right. And, and, and again, the, pulling the analogy to, to, uh, to, to God's economy is that God's already working, right? God's already put stuff in there. And so when our ups and downs are all mostly, mostly higher than they would be without God to begin with, right? So. Any other closing thoughts as we, as we wrap up this section? Of, yeah, Heidi. Mm-hmm. 
Any other thoughts? Yeah, Annie. Anything else? We are getting, again, right towards the end of a couple months long thing. If you have profound thoughts, feel free to save them for Dan next week, or two weeks probably. We won't meet, but I think this will be our last, last one. We'll, we'll meet in uh, two weeks. I don't think we'll have it for Mother's Day. Um, so, but any, anything else before we close? Excellent. Thank you for your um, participation. I appreciate a lot of the thoughts and the, the, the comments. Um, a lot of things, you know, as, as, I'm, as I'm reading into this, I, I'm kind of approaching it like you guys, just kind of coming, coming to it and seeing what we can glean from it. And so I always appreciate uh, the thoughts that, that you guys bring because it's definitely nothing that, a lot of this is stuff that I hadn't thought of, so it's been a fun discussion. I appreciate it. Let me uh, just close this up in prayer. Dear God, we just thank you uh, again for this time, Lord. We thank you for the book of Malachi. We thank you for the encouragement that we can see from it. We can thank you for the conviction that we can receive from it as well. Um, we, uh, we just pray that you would help us to uh, take these, these thoughts and these concepts to heart, Lord. We thank you for, um, for Dan um, walking us through this book and helping us to understand more of your word through um, through the time that we get to spend together. Thank you for all the folks that came out tonight. I thank you for their contributions and their discussion as, uh, as we looked um, through things uh, this evening, Lord. And I just pray that you'd be with us as we go from here. I uh, thank you that, uh, that you are working in this church, and this church is... Uh, is doing many things uh, for you, Lord, and I just uh, thank you that we all get to be a part of that, Lord. We just thank you for all you do. In Jesus' name, amen.